the following program contains graphic material, including offensive language. Your discretion is advised. Without freedom of the press, no democratic form of government could exist. Good night and good luck. Good evening from our CBS newsroom in New York. NBC presents Chet Huntley and David Brinkley. From ABC, this is World News Tonight with Peter Jennings in London, Max Robinson in Chicago. When the press is free, the people of a country are free. When the press is not free, the people of a country are in danger of slavery. Keeping you informed with information, news, and the views of people making the news. It's the Nicole Sandler Show on NicoleSandler.com and the Progressive Voices Network. Another Friday has arrived, and I always love Fridays for obvious reasons, but also because Marcy Wheeler is here. Marcy Wheeler, of course, of EmptyWheel.net. Recently cited, I got to give you kudos for this one, um, in Abby Lowell's response to, uh, I guess, it was a response to who over the uh, immunity claims that Trump is making? No, no, no. It was um, a response to prosecutors on their claim that they've given him all the discovery he needs. Ah, uh, okay. He, but we get to show the picture again, right? Uh, well, <laughs> well, oh, we will show the picture. First of all, here's here's the photograph. Once again, we're dealing with the <laughs> the uh, the the lines of sawdust that are laid out, obviously by someone who has enjoyed the cocaine. But this is not cocaine. And so um, you're saying it's a table saw. It, if it's cocaine, then whoever it is is rich because look at that floor. <laughs> oh, my God. There's tons <laughs> of it. But what's astounding. I mean, there are a lot of things astounding here. Uh, Marcy Wheeler. But even Sean Hannity. Wait, I got to play this for you because this is hysterical. He shows this photograph on his television show and says this. Oh, about $5,000 in taxes she owed in Pennsylvania. If it was a Republican, they'd probably be in jail. Lawyers for his son, Hunter, just had to explain in court a filing that this photo, take a look at this photo right here. This photo here. Look at that photo uh, from his phone that the government prosecutors claim show lines of cocaine. That's what the government prosecutors are saying. They're saying... That's sawdust. Take a good <laughs> look at the sawdust. It lined up in perfect little lines. Yeah. Um, take a close look. Does take that look like sawdust look. to you? Yes. We'll let you decide that. Uh, by the way, Hunter. Oh, shut up. So that was Sean Hannity alleging that that Sean was Hannity, cocaine. Sean Hannity, who used to work with Keith Blow. Oh, of course. Keith Blow me. And interesting that Blow is a, you know, is a... Um, you know, a, a, a name that people use for cocaine. See how it all comes together. Right, but, the, but the important thing is that that picture came from Keith Blow. That oh. is not Hunter Biden's picture. So there it is. That, there it so is. you can see right here that's on a shelf and it's a frame. And that's why there are reflections. But the shelf, that's Keith, Keith Adlow's office. Oh, my goodness. Um, if you look, uh, Phil Bump uh-huh. found a video of Keith Adlow in his office. Uh, where he's lecturing, blah, 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 blah. And in the back, you can see that photo. So, um, you know, and and Hannity's not the only one. There was another Fox News pundit who was like, oh, my God, can you believe that they're claiming this is this is uh, us and not cocaine? It's like, <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's your former colleague's picture. It's not Hunter Biden's picture. It's Keith Blow's picture. And Keith Blow sent it to Hunter Biden. 
Yes, well, or do know we what? know? We don't even know. We, well, the prosecutors allege that it was sent to a phone that was in Hunter Biden's possession. One of the more interesting things is that uh, it, it came from the laptop. So um, prosecutors back in August, this is nuts. Uh, <laughs> it's all nuts. Prosecutors back in August told Abby Lowell, don't worry about the laptop. We have separate sourcing for all the stuff that we need to use. When they said that in August of 2023, they had never, ever gotten a warrant to access to search either the laptop or his iCloud content for that content. So they had no idea when they told him that in August. And then in October, they sent him warrants not for gun crimes, okay? So, you know, where the cocaine isn't actually all that important. They sent him warrants for tax crimes and fair crimes in, in October, no warrant for gun crimes. So in early December, Abby Lowe was like, hey, are you ever going to put any, give me any evidence of that Hunter Biden was still doing drugs in October when you say he was still doing drugs? And they're like, okay, okay. And that week, they sent him new warrants. December 4th, 2023 was the first time they got a warrant to search his laptop and his iCloud content for gun crimes. And, um, and, 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 you know, all along, even in this filing uh, earlier in earlier this month, they're like, yeah, we've, we've got other sources. Don't worry about it. Well, guess what? So <laughs> they don't have other sources no. for the picture of the picture of the sawdust and, and the table saw. They don't like that's as far as we know, that's only on the laptop. Right. And more importantly, there are some texts that uh, Hallie Biden allegedly exchanged with Hunter during the period when Hunter owned a gun. And as far as we know, those only exist on the laptop as well. And so th th that raises questions like I raised a question um, when when prosecutors first submitted these texts. I was like, huh. That's, that's sort of interesting that you have these texts from October 12th because Hunter Biden lost a phone on October 11th. Wow. So you need to explain where that phone is, what that phone is. Like he replaced his phone. He spent most of the day on October 12th replacing his phones. And he didn't turn on his new phone until like October 13th or October 14th. And so like, why didn't he use that new phone to send texts with Hallie? Why does that new phone not show up in any of this stuff? Why uh, does he have texts that are, you know, if if accurate, really incriminating on an iPad that he bought back in 2015 and uh, was was factory reset back in uh, 2016. So, right. like, you know, it may not be his anymore. Um, there's all sorts of questions about the digital evidence involving Hunter Biden, and, and they haven't begun to, to deal with that yet. But. But. But this week, yesterday, in um, in Delaware, mm -hmm. they finally got to argue about whether um, the laptop belonged to the blind computer repairman when he gave it to the FBI, when he gave it to Rudy Giuliani, when he gave it to, to Republicans in Congress. So uh, if you recall back uh, 2022, I think, the blind computer repairman sued a bunch of people uh, like CNN, Politico, uh, Daily Beast, and also Hunter Biden right. the, uh, claiming defamation. The Hunter Biden defamation argument is nuts because Hunter Biden basically said, I don't know what happened with the laptop. Could have been hacked, could be Russians. I don't know. And so based on that, that 
that one statement, which did not mention uh, John Paul MacIsaac, the blind computer repairman at all, uh, he sued, the blind computer repairman sued Hunter Biden. And this, uh, unfortunately for the blind computer repairman, is right when Abby Lowell was beginning to take over defense of Hunter Biden's life. And Abby Lowell was like, we are going to counter sue. And uh, so... What was what was heard yesterday is whether um, Hunter Biden can throw out the defamation claim from the blind computer repairman, which probably is going to happen. But more importantly, whether Hunter Biden can get damages from the blind computer repairman for fucking over his entire life. Um, and as I understand it, there are statute of limitation concerns. So if he gets by the statute of limi- limitation concerns, then he stands a pretty good chance of winning that argument. And if he wins that argument, it means that everyone who's used that laptop, whether it's Congress or Fox News or the FBI, will have used that laptop based on false representations about who actually owned it. Okay, so, so and you wrote, wrote this up, the, the post yesterday was Happy Delaware Laptop Day for those who celebrate. Um, so, so there's information on that, but that's, you know, that's just part of the case against Hunter Biden that's completely falling apart, the, the laptop. So take that out of the equation. You got the uh, sawdust, sawdust <laughs> slash cocaine, and then you have... Alexander Smirnov, who we talked about last week before it was on anybody else's radar, really. And now this week, it's blown up to the point where, and correct me if I'm wrong here, because there's so many moving parts, Marcy. So Smirnov was arrested um, because we've learned that he lied about everything. He just made everything up. But he was released with an ankle monitor. And then he was rearrested yesterday? What? Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, you know, look, I think the the same prosecutors who claimed that that sawdust and table saw, we can put the picture up again. Those same prosecutors are the ones who are like playing James Bond and decided to arrest Alexander Smirnoff. And the team is not really built to go after a guy who's been a source for the FBI. Um, CNN has a story which confirms what is sort of obvious from some of the filings. Smirnov also has worked with Israeli intelligence. He's got, he's dual citizen. Mm-hmm. He's worked for other agencies in the U S so probably the CIA. Um, and, you know, he claims to have really close ties to Russian intelligence. I'd be shocked if he didn't also have ties to Emirati intelligence based on some of the things we know he's been up to. So, um, which, you know, uh, I will write a post over this weekend if I get around to it, uh, asking whether so. So Smirnov basically has been saying that he has been working on ending the Russian invasion of Ukraine uh, since May of last year. And part of that is affecting the election. Part of that is like you get Trump elected and then you're going to end the war in Ukraine. That's the idea. So he's doing that with four or maybe five Russian intelligence officers. But my question is, are there any Israeli intelligence officers involved? Because it would make everything that's happened since October 7th far more interesting. 
Uh-huh. Uh, anyway, I'm going to write that over the weekend. Okay, cool. Look so, for it at EmptyWheel.net. Obviously. And and all this is at EmptyWheel.net. And before I, I um, gloss over it again, I want to, look, I got to commend you because this is the page from Abby Lowell's response that cites EmptyWheel.net. So um, the quote says here, uh, and I've, it's really little here, so I don't know if I'm going to be able to read it. Um, Let's see. Exhibit one to the prosecution's opposition states, quote, during November and December 2018, the defendant took multiple photographs of videos, uh, apparent cocaine, crack cocaine and drug paraphernalia emphasis added. And right below it includes a photo of three white powder. They're not white. White powdery lines from iTunes backup phone. Blah, blah, blah. The prosecution is flat out wrong, both that Mr. Biden took this photograph and in claiming that it depicts cocaine. Multiple sources have pointed out uh, and a series of discovery confirms that it's actually a photo of sawdust, sawdust from an expert carpenter and it was sent to Mr. Biden, not vice versa. And you could see there's footnote one cited there. And now when I scroll down on the page... Uh, export reports uh, when David Weiss claimed what when David Weiss claimed Keith Abloh's sawdust was Hunter Biden's cocaine empty wheel February 14th 2024 um I appreciate I'm so glad you're getting some credit here uh, especially from Abby Lowell yeah I mean I have to like first of all it was either cite me or cite Garrett Ziegler so you know he was sort of stuck with me but the other thing is remember that this is the judge from whom I that that I got to liberate for warrants in this case right so she's already found me reasonably credible and at this point all my potty mouth and all my um you know uh other controversial opinions but the other thing is that post by the way argues that um, these poor prosecutors who are also trying to play James Bond with, with Smirnoff, which I guess we should return to. Yes. Um, these poor prosecutors could have avoided the mistake, the embarrassing mistake they made had they gotten uh, a, a, an expert to look at the photo. Because the photo, Hunter Biden's photos, apparently a different computer expert said, the photos all have excess data. So you can tell, you know, what GPS coordinates from what GPS coordinates it was taken, what time, where, what device. And so you can tell that this is a phone that Hunter Biden might have had actually in his hand at this GPS coordinates at this particular time. And they didn't bother to do that. So they could, but, but, you know, so if the judge's clerks read the rest of the report, I include a list in there, a list of uh, reports about the laptop we know exist that Hunter Biden hasn't gotten. Right. So they're going to be like, why are you withholding those reports? And is it true that the FBI tried to boot up this laptop four days before you got a warrant for it? Because that's sort of interesting. It's it's all interesting. And, and again, Marcy Wheeler, I, I will toot your horn because you're the one who's been covering all this, um, aside from the right wing, you know, propaganda that they're pushing out um, the the. The, the 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 legitimate media, I'll put it that way, seems to have really ignored the Hunter Biden story, and and you've been keeping us abreast of it, and now now everything is coming together, and it's like okay, well we go to Marcy for the for the information. So it, there's a lot now coming out about again David Weiss, who you've been telling us he uh, he's the one who filed the indictment against 
Smirnoff. Am I wrong on that? He's the one who said our no. witnesses. Okay, tell how did this come about? Well, okay, so um, there's a there's a good Jerry Nadler just uh, sent an email to Michael Horowitz uh, referring Scott Brady, who was who was in charge of the, the side channel. It's a good review for people who want to review with with some emails that aren't, aren't otherwise readily available. But um, basically. In the middle of impeachment, Bill Barr set up this side channel such that uh, DOJ could accept the garbage that Rudy was getting from Russian spies and share it into the Hunter Biden investigation. That was the purpose of it. Um, And Brady was supposed to vet that information before it got to Hunter Biden. Now, he claimed in his interview, which is also now available, um, which is really worth reading because it's easily the most scandalous thing that's come out of the impeachment investigation. And, and it, you know, supports impeachment of Donald Trump and Bill Barr. But um, it shows like he makes up this excuse for how he came to find this informant report from 20, 2017. doesn't make any sense. He's like, well, I looked up uh, Hunter Biden Burisma and I found this informant report and then went and talked to this informant. And lo and behold, it just so happens he finds the one informant willing to lie to the FBI <laughs> to frame Joe Biden about about bribery. We're going to learn that Rudy Giuliani had a source that knew that knew uh, Smyrna. We're we're probably going to learn that pretty and, quickly. And you have a piece that also went up uh, this morning. Ken Vogel who's now at the New York Times, being paid by the New York Times, covers up Rudy Giuliani and his alleged Russian spies. Um, Does this all, and you you name people, Ken Vogel, Glenn Thrush, uh, people that I wonder why are still on the New York Times payroll. Um, Does this cover that? Yeah, it covers some of it. Um, And, um, you know, the one that people should read most importantly, and I think we talked about it last week, is that... um, that David Weiss is a witness to this whole side channel. Yes. Basically, what happened is um, Scott Brady's job was to basically juggle these things over the course of the year so that it was laundered so that they could share it with the Hunter Biden investigation. And uh, and also so that they could interview Rudy Giuliani, but the interview never went to the people who were criminally investigating Rudy Giuliani at the time. That interview never shows up in the warrant affidavits that they used to investigate him uh, until 2022. But, um, so this is all supposed to go to David Weiss. Uh, Scott Brady says that he was communicating with David Weiss every four to six weeks. He says that he repeatedly got people high up in DOJ to intervene. He says that he forced David Weiss to give basically interrogatories to describe the scope of the Hunter Biden investigation. And this is before he went and got the, um, interview with, um, Smirnoff. And then he claims that he vetted the Smirnoff allegations by checking travel records. But again, the indictment makes it clear that the way you prove Smirnoff was lying is travel records because he didn't go the places he claimed he did in that in that informant report. So um, according to the indictment in August of 2020, um, David Bowditch and who's the deputy director of FBI and uh, Richard Donahue, who at that point is what's called a paid ag. He's the right-hand man to Jeffrey Rosen, who was the deputy attorney general, who was, you know, um, so he's high up in DOJ. He's the guy in DOJ who makes things happen. So they, they say assessment is over. We haven't gotten anything. 
Scott Brady sends a report to Donahue in September. Nothing's happening with it, okay? And then after the laptop comes out, Donald Trump calls Bill Barr screaming at him because he hasn't done more to investigate Hunter Biden. Oh, my God. That's in Bill Barr's book. So after that, then days later, having shut down this investigation, uh, Donahue then goes to, to David Weiss and says, here's this allegation about bribery. You need to investigate it. Probably what happened at the time, the, the, the AUSA, the prosecutor on the case, Leslie Wolf, had been kind of uh, avoiding all of this disinformation all through 2020. And this is not the only thing they got. They were getting stuff in January of 2019. They were getting Peter Schweitzer allegations. They were getting, um, there's one more I'm missing. But they kept getting these allegations, right? So she was used to getting garbage Russian disinformation. Mm -hmm. And so probably she said, this is more Russian disinformation. It doesn't, it doesn't pass the sniff test. And then um, last summer, when this informant report started going big, this is after, like, Bill Barr um, goes public about it on June 7th, 2023. That's the same day that David Weiss approves a plea deal that involves no jail time. Right. So plea deal is done. Bill Barr comes out and says the FD 1023 wasn't shut down. It went to David Weiss to investigate. Okay. And then the next month um, in July, David Weiss told Lindsey Graham, oh, this is part of an ongoing investigation. So by the time you get to the plea deal, I mean, like most of the coverage of the failed plea deal doesn't understand why it failed. And it failed, one, because of the way David Weiss's office tried to jerry-rig the two deals. Um, And that's a sound legal reason that the judge was right to pursue it. But the other reason is because even though on June 19th of 2023, David Weiss's office had told Hunter Biden's lawyers, no ongoing investigation at that plea hearing, July, 2023, Leo Weiss. So he's become the primary prosecutor here. Leo Weiss stands up and he's like, Oh yeah, sure. The ongoing investigation into Farah." That claim, ongoing investigation into Fair, was the bribery allegation. Okay. So they use they they kill the plea deal as an excuse to go chase the bribery investigation. They do an interview of the handler in, in August. They do an interview of Smirnoff in September. He continues to lie in September. I don't think they were going to do anything with it, Nicole, uh, until in November. In response to the Scott Brady testimony, Abby Lowell says, hey, by the way, can I have all of the details of this side channel? Uh And now, you know, so this is where we're at. Abby Lowell is like, give me the details of the side channel. He's going to look at this at this memo from Jerry Nadler and say, hey, you know, you should give me all of this documentation. It shows that you guys set up a second investigation into my client that was feeding Russian disinformation right into the main investigation. And I want those details. So, um, so I don't think they necessarily would have indicted. He's been Smirnoff has been, you know, he's been in the Emirates on big yachts with Russians. He's been planning to frame Joe Biden some more. He's been planning uh, prisoner swaps uh, between Ukraine and Russia. He's been, so, you know, he shows up in, in Las Vegas uh, on the 14th and they arrest him right away. 
And he admits that, you know, that the Russians were still trying to frame Joe Biden. And um, but they arrest him on false statements. They arrest him on really kind of low level charges. And I'm like, if you're going to arrest somebody who's been an informant for the U.S. government for uh, 14 years, you better have better charges than false statements and, and uh, you know, basically fabricating a document, fabricating that 1023. You better right. have better charges for that because this is not going to hold up against this guy. So unsurprisingly, I don't think it's that surprising that the judge let him go. He's definitely a flight risk, right? He's going to get on a plane. He's going to go to Israel. He's never going to come back. Um, but it's, again, it's David Weiss without the appropriate team. There's, there's, Two, there's like one guy who's worked, he worked the Elliot Brady Farrah case, okay? Mm-hmm. And there's another guy who just recently switched over to the part of DOJ that investigates spies. But they, you know, to, to prosecute a guy like uh, like Smirnoff, you need a full team from the National Security Division. You need people who've done this for 10 years. You need people who have gone after spies before because it's not easy to do, especially mm-hmm. spies who work for the, for the U.S. government. And, you know, I, I just feel like they're playing James Bond and I feel like they're playing James Bond to protect themselves. Right. Because uh, David Weiss has to explain why he reopened the investigation into Hunter Biden. Right. And the answer is he reopened the investigation into Hunter Biden to do an investigation of this bribery allegation that his AUSA last year. Sorry, his AUSA in 2020 decided would had no merit. Um, and and that is why he ended up indicting Hunter Biden with six felonies and six misdemeanors. And so he needs to tell a story about that. And, and you know, it's really important. The indictment doesn't match what Bill Barr has said publicly. The indictment doesn't match what Scott Brady said to Congress. So, you know, if you've got conflicting stories between and by the way, David Weiss's testimony to Congress, which hasn't been made public yet, conflicts in some ways with Scott Brady's testimony, particularly about how often they spoke. Mm-hmm. So if you've got all this conflicting testimony between these three men who, who were like framing Hunter Biden, you can't let one of them lead the investigation. You know, somebody outside needs to lead the investigation, preferably somebody who's not playing James Bond. Right. So Marcy Wheeler, then where does Merrick Garland enter into all of this. I know, you, look, you've been defending his actions and the way, the the, the speed or lack thereof, uh, which he's pursued this, but explain that, you know, there's a lot of elements at play here. Where does, where does Merrick Garland enter into this whole David Weiss thing? Right, so I, I defend Merrick Garland on January 6th. I think he's mm-hmm. done a lot that he hasn't gotten credit for. I don't defend Merrick Garland on his uses of special counsels. Like okay. I, you know, I, I'm, I promise you, I've written more about the abuse in the Durham investigation yep. than anybody. Yes, you have. Um, and, and I probably have already written more about the abuse in the, in, in her investigation than mm-hmm. anybody. Um, in the David Weiss, and again, I'll probably write this up this weekend. So one of the things that Garland seems to be doing is using this guy named Brad Weinsheimer, who's the senior career employee at DOJ. There's a tradition of using that position as somebody kind of as an ethical check on things that DOJ does. Um, There's a guy named David Margolis who, you know, uh, with the, with the Ted Stevens case, with the John new memos, he made the decision to like basically protect DOJ rather than protect rule of law. 
And so the, the, that guy is in the position now, Brad Weinsheimer. Okay. And, um, and there's this perception that Brad Weinsheimer is the person that people being investigated by special counsels appeal to when there's something that they are concerned about. But David Weiss's testimony makes it clear that Brad Weinsheimer is actually the guy he's reporting to. Okay. And this is a critical detail because, like, uh, if you remember back in the Mueller investigation, um, Mueller reported to Robert Herr, uh-huh. who had that. Uh-huh. He reported to, uh, um, he reported to uh, Ed O'Callaghan, the guy who helped Sarah Palin prepare to be vice presidential candidate. Like, he reported to people who were political appointees. Not so David Weiss, at least since 2022, he has been reporting to this guy who's the person you're supposed to be able to appeal to if there are ethical problems. And so you see the problem, like you basically it's it's navel gazing. And Mm -hmm. that's what Merrick Garland has set up. And so and you see it as well with the Robert Herr correspondence between the White House and, and DOJ is that like they go to they go to Merrick Garland and say this guy is breaking the rules and he refers it to. Uh, Weinsheimer, and for all we know, Weinsheimer also supervised the her investigation, oh. which is problematic for other reasons. Um, so you, you've got a problem with the way Merrick Garland is structuring these investigations, yeah. and I get why he's doing it. You know, he's like, oh, you know, these people are honorable career employees; they can handle it. But it's structurally impossible because you will never find Brad Weinsheimer to say David Weiss. Uh, engaged in misconduct by getting warrants uh, to investigate the gun crimes three months after he charged Charged the gun crimes. That's a big red flag, right? Should be. And then he decided that the sawdust was, was cocaine. That's a, those should both be big red flags, but there's no one for, there's no one that Abby Lowell can appeal to except for the judges. Like he's got to mock these people and the judges, this, um, this, Smirnoff investigation, I got to believe there's people all over DRJ who are pulling their hairs out because, oh, God. Um, because again, these people are not, they don't have the experience with spy cases that you really need to avoid something unbelievably embarrassing happening, which is probably happening in, as we speak in LA, right? Right. Uh, right. So, so uh, you know, I'm, I'm astounded. So, so Merrick Garland, I think, essentially what you're saying, and please correct me if I'm wrong, because uh, I often am, that he was believing in the, you know, the dedication of these career DOJ uh, person yeah. personnel to do the right thing. Um, yeah. is this and sort that's of- Merrick Garland's, that is Merrick Garland's Achilles heel. It's not that he's a federalist society, which he's not, or that he's a Republican. He's not it's that he believes in the inherent goodness of DOJ and he believes that the way to save DOJ is to rely on these career employees. And, you know, many of them, it's true. You know, many of them upheld DOJ's ways while Bill Barr was demanding that right. they do corrupt things, but some of them bowed to to Bill Barr's wishes and you can't rely on the ones who bowed to Bill Barr's wishes uh, to uphold DOJ integrity and I, you know, so I think that he's got, he's got a failed approach there. And in this case in particular, in the David Weiss case in particular, um, it's problematic because I, you know, it, there is no way David Weiss, like he's not competent. The team he has <laughs> is not the team that you have to go prosecute this spy. Um, 
Um, and he's also, he's conflicted. He has no business being in this investigation. There needs to be some, I mean, like give the investigation to Jack Smith because Jack <laughs> Smith, right? You're is, right. Yeah. Is so. getting shit done. Now, is this sort of like the flip side to what the right calls the deep state? I mean, they're talking about these career, you know, government officials who will, I, I, you know, I don't, I never got their theory of the deep state. What, they're going to do the bidding of their enemies or something? Jack Smith is believing that the so-called deep state members are in it for the greater good. Is, is, is am I totally off base here? Yeah, I mean, the, the what the right wing is doing with deep state is, for one, discrediting any investigation into them. Right. Um, they are like one of the things that the right has been successful at over decades, not over the last five years, is to um, is to delegitimize any prosecutions of right wing terrorism. So, you know, you can go after animal rights supporters you can invent Antifa as a terrorist group and go right, after them until right. you're blue in the face. Right. But you can't go after right-wing terrorism, even though right-wing terrorism is the most dangerous kind of terrorism in the United States right now. So that's that's one thing that they've always tried to do. But in this case, Donald Trump, I mean, I'm doing a series. I've just barely started it. But I'm doing a series on how Donald Trump did this over time. Like how Donald Trump um, slowly got Republicans, I mean, they, they never believed in rule of law, right? Remember, you didn't need Donald Trump to run against, to, to try and criminalize Hillary Clinton. They'd been doing right. that since the 1990s. Right. But what Donald, what was different with Donald Trump is, you, you know, he made a bunch of Republicans who would otherwise have supported the investigations into him, who might have supported impeachment, who, you know, when it was Nixon, did support impeachment, he slowly trained them all to just disbelieve FBI instead. And some of that was done with Russian disinformation. A good amount of that was done. I mean, like the dossier, I was never a supporter of the dossier, but I think it has been shown that the, the Ru Russians figured out pretty quickly what Steele was up to with the dossier, and they injected it with disinformation, so they made the FBI look bad. They discredited the entire Russian investigation, and that made it easier for people who otherwise would have supported an investigation against Donald Trump and possibly even impeachment to just instead, uh, you know, the, the, the chant, Russia, Russia, Russia. They're trying right. it again with the Smirnoff thing. They're like, oh, you're doing Russia, Russia, Russia. It's like, no, you know, actually there, there is a Russia, and Russia did frame Joe Biden, and we've known that Russia, I mean, one of the things I did in the um, Ken Vogel story that you mentioned uh -huh. is I pointed out that, um, that there were a bunch of, like, the reason this side channel existed is because Rudy Giuliani was going and soliciting information from Russian spies. That's it. That's the reason why, you know, like uh, Ken Vogel broke that story in December of 2019. And um, so Barr needed to cover up the fact that he was willingly let letting DOJ not just not prosecute Rudy Giuliani for going and soliciting help from Russian spies, but also he was letting DOJ accept dirt from Russian spies to use in the investigation of Hunter Biden. Right. And Joe Biden. Got it. You know, Jamie Raskin, who's been great on all this. I, said I wanna... Whoops. I think this is the clip I want to um, about the whole R Russia hoax. And he was asked, I, I hope this is the clip. Let me let me share this with you because he's so good. 
Hello, everyone. I wanted to just start by restating the obvious, which is that the impeachment investigation um, essentially ended yesterday in substance, if not in form, with the explosive revelation that Mr. Smirnoff's uh, allegations about Ukrainian Burisma payments to Joe Biden were uh, concocted uh, along with Russian intelligence agents, and it appears like the whole thing is not only obviously false and fraudulent, but a product of Russian disinformation and propaganda. And that's been the motor force behind this investigation for more than a year. Um, as for today's um, uh, transcribed interview with the brother of uh, President Biden, Mr. James Biden, um, we obviously, again, have heard nothing indicating that uh, Joe Biden had anything to do with the business ventures of Hunter Biden or um, James Biden. And uh, nothing has contradicted that basic understanding that we've had for many, many months now. So uh, that's essentially where we are. Again, I'm restating my call to Chairman Comer, to Speaker Johnson, to fold up the tent uh, to this circus show. It's really okay. over. That, that wasn't the clip I was hoping for, but it, it, it is important nonetheless. They called uh, Joe Biden's brother to testify yesterday. It was behind closed doors, but there's a transcript. But then Jamie Raskin went into a whole thing, and they keep calling it the Russia hoax. What are they alleging was the hoax? Where's the hoax? The hoax is that they're calling it a Russia hoax. Does that- right. I mean, they are pointing to, and they always have, and they did, by the way, after Paul Manafort went to, I think it was Spain, went to somewhere and met with Constantin, no, met with a different Oleg Deripaska aide. So Eric, okay. Oleg Deripaska would have been one of the people who was feeding disinformation into this dossier because he knew Christopher Steele from beforehand. And in fact, had asked Christopher Steele to report on, on Paul Manafort before, beforehand. So Deripaska would have been involved in it. Uh, Manafort goes in early June, January 2017 and meets with the Deripaska aide. And Deripaska says, or the aide says, the way to discredit this Russian investigation is to discredit the dossier. Mm-hmm. And that's what they did relentlessly for three years. And so when you ask people who use that term Russiagate what they mean, they mean the dossier. They don't mean like I did a long series last year on CJR's really horrible propaganda about it. And I showed that they claim to be talking about New York Times and Washington Post. And I showed, no, actually what the New York Times and Washington Post got got awards for was catching Mike Flynn in a lot, which happened before the dossier came out, right? right? So they already had Mike Flynn dead to rights before the dossier. They had Jared Kushner lying about Russian ties. They had Jeff Sessions lying about Russian ties. That's what they got the awards for. That's what Russiagate is, or Russia, that's what the Russian investigation is, is why, you know, why were these back-channel relationships with Donald Trump, with all these Russian people, all along, Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, why was Michael Cohen lying about a Trump Tower deal in, in Moscow? Right. Why? Um, and so they, what Donald, I mean, this, this series that I'm going to write, one thing I'm going to show is that um, the, the transference of the Russian investigation into the dossier allowed them to, to find something that was genuinely wrong, um, which is not very dissimilar from the Smirnoff thing, right? It's, it's an informant who's misinforming the FBI, 
um, in, in, in the case of Smirnoff, it came with the involvement of the attorney general. But uh, uh, instead of what it actually found, which is that Roger Stone knew in advance what the Russians were doing. Uh-huh. He knew in advance before the Guccifer figure came out. Mm-hmm. He knew in advance. He knew in August what was going to come in, in October. Um, and he probably helped make sure it would come out by beginning to negotiate a plea deal with, with Julian Assange. He was doing that by November 9th, 2016, and probably as soon as October 3rd, 2016, before Trump was even elected. So those are, and then there's Paul Manafort giving the campaign strategy to Konstantin Kalimnik at a meeting where he also discussed carving up Ukraine. This was the deal in 2016. We carve up Ukraine and we get elected. It is still the deal. This is what Smirnoff was negotiating wow. was they get they get Trump reelected in 2024 and Russia gets Ukraine on a oh silver plot. That's oh the deal God. that they're negotiating. Now that's the deal that Paul Manafort was negotiating with Constantine Klimnik in 2016. That is the deal. That is what this deal has always been about. Um, of course, Putin has raised the price and now it's clear that Trump is offering him, say, throw in Poland with the bargain and maybe Estonia. Right. Um, But uh, this is the deal. This is the deal that Donald Trump is using to get elected. And this is the deal that if somebody besides David Weiss were investigating Smirnoff, you might unpack before the election. But David Weiss is in charge of it. And that's, you know, that's one of the many reasons us, it's problematic. And brings us back to the whole Merrick Garland question. On top of that, the, 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 another question that's sort of not really important to the whole thing is, as confusing as this is, as we try to keep tabs on it, do, do, do the people at Fox or the right-wing media uh, circus just don't have a clue what's going on? Ari Fleischer, former press secretary to... W. Bush, if I remember correctly, and now went to fo- the same elementary school as I did too. Really? Hey, well, you, well, I you only went there for a year, so we were never <laughs> there at the same time. But yeah, we graduated from the same elementary school. So you you obviously paid better attention or learned how to, uh, uh, you know, parse information that you get because he goes on TV this week and blames Michael Steele, former RNC chair, now you know MSNBC host. For the Steele dossier, it was Christopher Steele, not Michael Steele. Are these people just clueless? Yeah, I it's, uh, you know, that like one of the things that Trump does is it's not that these people are making better arguments. It's that these people are degrading language. And so long as you deliver a board salad that repeats the words that he wants to see on TV, you're serving his interests. He is never going to make a more rational, more persuasive argument because that's not what he does with language. What he does with language is barrage you with it, with keywords and repeats it. But he does not make sound, rational arguments. And so you see people like Ari Fleischer do the same. And what they're doing is they're just attacking rational thought. They're not making arguments. Right. Well, you also mentioned in a post um, that you put up yesterday, stolen documents motion to dismiss or or actually, no, the one from this morning, Trump's defense. He intended to steal boxes and boxes of classified documents. 
Um, and and in you write that in all of Jack Smith's rebuttals to Trump's claims that presidents have absolute immunity. By the way, we're still waiting on the Supreme Court to tell us whether or not they're going to take up that appeal or not. I was hoping we'd have that by now, but still not yet. Um, you're right. He floated scenarios that are pretty similar to stuff that Trump is known or suspected of doing. One of those is a president who sells nuclear secrets to a foreign adversary. And Trump's response is to say that would be treason. And you have a whole list of what is treason and what isn't treason. And this is just them mucking up the, uh, the, the information change chain again. Well, no, I mean, the really important thing is the argument he is making. And I are like, I thought it was a pretty cool. You should read the post. I did a like bullet point of what his argument is about the Presidential Records Act, Mm -hmm. which is basically a regurgitated argument that Tom Fitton, who's not a lawyer, right? He's the Judicial Watch guy, not a lawyer. Tom Fitton lost a FOIA challenge with Bill Clinton years and years ago, and he's still angry about it. And so this is Tom Fitton's argument, which is stupid to begin with, which uh, I suspect Jack Smith has testimony from Tom Fitton admitting was an after the fact reconstruction for the documents. But, you know, it, it doesn't make any sense. But if you put that argument together with Trump's immunity claims, he's basically simply saying, I intended to steal boxes and boxes of classified documents. I intended to steal. Yes. That's the Presidential Records Act claim he's making. <laughs> To steal, I'm going to take them. And if I, if you say that's theft, then I'm immune. I intended to steal boxes and boxes of classified documents to make them my own. That is the argument that the aspiring presidential candidate for the Republican Party is making. And, uh, and, and yeah, it is interesting because... The reason I raised what Jack Smith is arguing about, you know, uh, selling nuclear documents to adversaries is that's stuff that Trump has sort of done. Yeah. Right? Like Trump gave nuclear information to that Australian guy. Trump uh, repeatedly released information on, on Iranian intelligence, sacrificing the Iranian intelligence. We have to wonder how much of what Iran is doing right now are they able to do because Trump gave them intelligence effectively right. by blabbing and, about it. And gave um, Israeli intelligence to the Russians. We saw the photos in the Oval Office, right? Right. And so did Trump give other intelligence to Russia or to the Saudis? The Saudis is frankly more credible. <laughs> right. And, and a bigger concern because of, of Trump's, because of a variety of reasons. Like, so reasons. did Trump give a bunch of intelligence to the Saudis? Uh, we can't rule it out. We nope. don't know where all the classified documents went. But Trump is arguing that if he did, he'd have immunity. That's literally what he's arguing. He is arguing that he was permitted to leave the White House with boxes and boxes of classified documents to make his own, to do with what he wanted. That is his argument. Right. And so is that so is that that the Mar-a-Lago case that Eileen Cannon keeps delaying and delaying? What is the status of that? So things are beginning to move like um, they tried to delay this deadline yesterday of submitting these these motions to dismiss. And she refused to to do that. Um, So she's going to at least make a show of of moving. She's going to make a decision to delay the trial in about a week um, in one of the first public hearings. I think that. What's interesting is this argument, part of the argument that I just laid out for you, this argument that Trump is entitled to make boxes and boxes of classified documents Mm -hmm. his own. 
Um, that argument is one that she endorsed in 2022 when he was trying to thwart the investigation into him. They footnote it. It's hilarious. And they're like, well, you agreed in 2022 that I could bring these classified documents home and make them my own. And they admit in that footnote that she got her ass handed to her by the 11th Circuit. They, right. I mean, the words are remanded and and, uh, and overridden or whatever. But, um, but, you know, she said, oh, yeah, I agree with you. You can just make these classified documents your own. And the 11th Circuit was like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, that's not. So this is an argument he's already lost at the 11th Circuit. He's trying it again. Um, and it's not going to work. It won't be appealed like this. He won't be able to get an interlocutor. Like the only thing he can try and make an interlocutory appeal is the immunity argument the same way he did in DC. But if the Supreme court has already ruled on it, I suspect the 10th circuit would just, you know, speed dial it right up to the Supreme court and this, you know, the Supreme court would rule on it again. I mean, like they're trying to, argue, they're trying to get this, the 10th, the 11th circuit to, to revisit it again. And if this 11th Circuit approaches this stuff anywhere near how they did in 2022, they're not going to have any time for it. I mean, because, again, the, the 11th Circuit has already said that uh, you don't have immunity for things like getting reelected. Mm -hmm. This is not nothing that Trump is doing here is stuff that he did as president. And so the 11th Circuit, I don't, I, they're a very conservative circuit, but I don't think they're going to buy it either. So, so here we are, it's, it, we record this on Friday mornings, <clears throat> morning, uh, Arizona time, afternoon, Ireland time where Marcy is. And I keep glancing up at the screen because I, for some reason, I've been expecting the Supreme Court to release their answer as to whether or not they will hear Trump's appeal to the D.C. Circuit Court, basically saying, you do not have absolute immunity. That's not a thing. It was a unanimous decision. We discussed it at length. The three-judge panel, um, you know, issued one opinion with all three names on it to make it sort of uh, easy for the Supreme Court to say, no, we're going to let the lower court ruling stand. But now it's been, I don't know, a few weeks. It's been a while um, I know you don't know the answer, but any thoughts as to what's taking so long? I don't think it's taking that long. I think I think I as we're sitting here, I think I saw a piece from Steve Vladek, who if people don't follow him, I really highly recommend. I mean, he knows more about the Supreme Court than most people, okay. than almost all people. Um, and I think he is arguing that if they were going to take this if they were going to give him a stay, they would have already ruled the stay, hmm. right? Like, so the delay, my guess, my, my guess is that it's going to end up the same way the appeal of chicken involving the, 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 the Benny Thompson lawsuit ended up, which is that uh, my guess is that they are going to deny the, at least the stay mm -hmm. and, and, and maybe even the appeal. And you're going to have, some commentary back then it was Kavanaugh who said this says limited application. I mean, one of the ways that Kavanaugh could do it and, and something very similar to he did with the executive privilege claim is he could say, because this involves activities that are not official conduct that involve getting reelected, we don't have to decide on the key issue of whether, you know, assassinating Joe Biden you whether you have immunity when right. you do that right so um and then 
And yeah, so that's my guess, but um, I'm not that worried thus far about the delay. I really, I didn't expect it to come for 20 days. I don't think okay. we're at 20 days yet. Okay. Talk oh, to me at 20 days. Gotcha. All right. I'll, I'll, I'll check the calendar. Then there's the, the other big story from the past week. Um, this morning, Joe Biden announced more, or it was yes, late yesterday, sanctions against Russia over the uh, killing of, of uh, Alexei Navalny. And... Um, you know, Trump's reaction to that, again, he's the one who thinks he should have the power to assassinate his political opponents. But he said something really, well, a lot of what he says is very creepy. Um, I thought I had it up here, but I guess I don't. But he said the fine levied against him in the New York fraud case, I guess, and add on to it, the uh, Eugene Carroll lawsuits, is akin to, is like a Navalny can you explain <laughs> what he means by the, it's a Navalny? No, it's not what he means. Again, Donald Trump is not trying to make meaning. He's trying to, Same words. In, he's trying to get adhesion, right? So um, if he can get people to not think about the fact that he was just ruled to be a, an enormous fraud, mm-hmm. like every, you know, like Trump's penthouse He's been lying about his penthouse, right? right? The size. So that should actually that should start shaving off some of his believers because they believe he's this all powerful billionaire, right? If they come to discover that he's broke, which he is, that uh, he always overinflated how big his buildings were. I mean, remember after this ruling came down, Eric Trump went out and said, "My father built the skyline of New York," and <laughs> right. I'm like, "Huh? That's <laughs> crazy!" But of course, the rubes in Kansas are going to believe it. Sure. Um, because they don't go to New York. They're afraid of New York. Uh, and um, if it, if I, and I think Trump knows this, if people begin to under, if they begin to smell the flop sweat on him, if they begin to understand he's broke. And this is why I think, by the way, that um, Nikki Haley is staying in longer than anyone thinks she should. Mm-hmm. I think she realizes he's broke. I think she realizes that the legal stuff is actually weighing down on him more than he's letting on. So if they realize that there's merit to these cases, if Aileen Canyon, so it was only about a week and a half ago that Aileen Cannon first saw the documents at issue in this case. It's hard for people to understand, wow. but she had not seen them until quite recently. And there are some of us who are like, I wonder what's going to happen when she looks at what he's actually been sitting on. Would she get, you know, she used to be in DOJ. Would she look at them and go, holy shit, you know, I thought this was going to be like my my conversation with um, with uh, Vladimir Putin. And instead, it's like, here's the here's the nuclear codes to to blow up New Zealand or what right, have you. Right. Um, if you know, will she change her tune about this investigation? Probably not. But, you know, you can't rule it out. Right. You can't rule out that she will see something that will sober her about what this really is, will sober her that this is not a witch hunt. I think if we ever do get to trial on the January 6th stuff, they have stuff planned that people don't understand. Like I've argued, for example, that I think they will treat the Proud Boys as co-conspirators of Donald Trump. Mm. And well, you know. 75% of current Republican supporters will continue to support him. That's a really horrible, you know, that says that his co-conspirators are the ones who really orchestrated, kicked off the riot while he was still speaking. Um, And so I think that 
He knows this. Donald Trump knows that if they begin to realize that he's a fraud, if they begin to realize he's broke, if they begin to realize he really is a criminal, then he's going to begin to lose people a lot more quickly. And it could happen really quickly. And apparently Um, he's been, right? What's that? He's been losing people. I mean, something just showed he's got 200,000 fewer donors, individual donors, than he did at this time in the last cycle. But it's just showing support is beginning to hemorrhage. Support is, yeah, support is beginning to get soft because there's a certain number of Republicans that might be 15% of Republicans who aren't going to, who who will think very seriously about not supporting him. I think that pollsters may not know how many people are Republicans anymore because no. they don't, they haven't, they haven't readjusted after January 6th and after Dobbs. So I'm not sure the numbers we're seeing in polls are accurate polls. Um, but I also think that, um, yeah, people are beginning to get tired of the victimization. People are beginning to, to get tired of the money, of the grift, of yes. the, you know. So, uh, so yeah, Donald Trump knows that he needs to get people to believe that he's a victim, and that's why he did the Navalny thing. And the other thing, the other reason he did the Navalny thing is because he had to say something, <laughs> right. right? Nikki so Haley called thing. him out at not right. saying something. Everyone was calling him out for not saying anything. But if he says it was wrong to kill Navalny, then Putin is going to like Putin is, I'm sure, demanding a lot more from Trump this time around than he did in 2016. In 2016, right. like sky's the limit for Putin, because he's like, I don't care if Donald Trump gets elected and all that happens is it fractures the United excuse me, the United States. But at some point, Putin is going to start demanding Poland. He's right. going to start, you know, start with Ukraine. And I want these other places I want you to dismantle NATO. I expect promise. I expect you to be locked into those promises before I help you get elected. Right. And Trump already did that just this week. He, you know, he said, uh, if if our NATO allies don't pay up, uh, Russia should attack them. Well, come on. Uh, Oops, wrong one. I I was going to play Joe Biden saying, come on, man. Because um, come on, yeah, man. There you go. Uh, it's it's insane, but that's what he does. Just confuse the the situation. Anything you think we should be looking out for, particularly this w- coming week? Um, Hunter Biden is having his deposition before Congress, mm. so uh, that may be the swan song of impeachment. I you know it'll be interesting to see how that goes because you've now got the Smirnoff thing, you've got the cocaine thing. I think uh, Democrats will probably it's and it's interesting. The Smirnoff thing really finally got Democrats to understand that they can support Hunter Biden. Right. Uh, in a way that they have not so far. They've sort of been saying Hunter Biden is guilty, but but Biden, Joe Biden is not involved in it. I think that they're finally at a point where they can begin to look at what happened with the investigation into Hunter Biden because of the Smirnoff thing. And so I think that that will change. You know, I think that, for example, Hunter will have an opportunity to talk about um, what happened with the IRS, the disgruntled IRS agents. There was a um, Hunter did a filing uh, Tuesday where he basically said, you know, you have to dismiss this case because of the gross abuse that the IRS agents did by leaking my IRS data over and right, over again. Right. And it's a good argument. I mean, I don't think the judge there is going to be all that amenable to it, but, um, but those are the kinds of things that you, Democrats will have plenty to talk about in the, uh, in the deposition. So it's going to be a deposition. I, I expect, uh, um, 
Steve Castor. People might remember him for Trump's uh, um, impeachment defenses, kind okay. of balding guy, you know, thin, thin-haired guy who sat behind Jim Jordan. He's actually a pretty good lawyer. Um, and so he'll probably lead the questioning. And then um, we won't learn the names of the Democratic staffers leading the questions, but they're they're sharp. They're very good people. And and in these in these depositions, you see they spend about 30 percent of the time clarifying that the things Republicans claim didn't happen. Right. Like one thing we'll learn, for example, the, the one thing that he'll get asked is, why did you blow off Bobolinsky? Tony Bobolinsky. Why did you cut the deal with Tony Bobolinsky? One of the things we know Hunter Biden will say is because he had suspect ties to Russian businessmen, Hmm. which is true, Mm -hmm. by the way. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the things that came out of the Bobolinsky transcript is that he has ties to Victor Vexelberg's son, who is a sanctioned Russian. Um, And that is one of the reasons that James Biden and that Rob Walker didn't want to have anything to do with him. They're like, we don't want this guy who's got ties to suspect Russians doing business with us. So um, so half of it will be that half, you know, and then you'll see Jordan always, you know, comes in and weighs in and probably Marjorie Taylor Greene's going to come in and ask him about his dick pics. And of course, um, Andy Biggs, curiously, is very attentive in these and less stupid than other members of Congress. So you'll see him in the in the transcript and you'll see people like Adam, uh, like, sorry, you'll see Adam Schiff and Dan Goldman Mm -hmm. going really aggressively about this stuff. Um, Dan Goldman loves to do this, you know, loves to play prosecutor yep. in these hearings. Yes, he does. Suspect that he'll do it. So, um, but so this is, this will be behind closed doors. We will not see it, but we'll see the transcript after the fact. And I assume they'll take video. So eventually we'll get video as well. Eventually. Um, okay. So this, what, one day, what day does this happen? That's the 28th. Okay. Uh, so a lot, a lot of balls in motion and we'll pick it up next week. Marcy Wheeler, find her at emptywheel.net. I know you already do, but uh, should be first stop on your reading every morning because there's so much there. And again, I marvel at your ability to keep it all straight because I'm like, Wah! it's like the ADD of the brain saying, you know, going 20 directions at one time, but that's the state of Uh, of the chaos that's happening in the highest levels of our country right now. Marcy Wheeler, always a pleasure. Thank you so much. All right. Take care. And with that, we come to the end of another week. As always, big thanks to Marcy Wheeler. Visit her at emptywheel.net. And uh, for all things having to do with my show, uh, just visit NicoleSandler.com. Have a great weekend, everyone. Peace out.